All right, our theme is on hope, and uh, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And it is from there that I'm sharing on trusting God, the series on trusting God. And we have talked about trust. It all depends on who you depend on. We have talked also even about trusting God's uh, guidance, what to do when you are not certain what to do. And the last session, we talk about trust God and do something. This week, I'd like to share from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 16. Sorry, chapter 14, verse 1 to verse 6. Now, I know this is a bit small, but let me just read to you the first portion. Bible here says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And so here was Jesus talking about washing the disciples' feet, betrayal, denial, and Jesus also talks about his death. But they could not understand. They could not understand. Jesus also talked about his resurrection. But they could not comprehend. It could not register in their mind that the Son of Man is going to be raised up on the third day. They could not understand. And Jesus even talked about his ascension. And Jesus even talked about his soon coming. And so you find that all the theologies, all the Christian theology are found in these powerful few chapters. It's all there. But the disciples could not understand. So what was their heart trouble? Their heart was trouble when Jesus says, I am going away. So they, uh, they wonder, hey, hey, where is he going? And he told them, you know, they wondered. And they asked him, but, but, but where are you going? And Jesus told them, where I am going, you cannot come. Whoa, even more baffled, even more surprised. What is he talking about? But they were troubled because the one whom they have placed their hope in, the one whom they have followed for three and a half years, is now going to depart from them, is now going to leave them. And they will be helpless. Where can they turn to? Who are they going to follow? And because of their, their, their heart is troubled, because they are going to be separated from their master. They don't understand everything that's going to happen, but Jesus laid it down. I'm going away. I'm going to be separated from you. That's the cause of their trouble. Not to say that all our troubles are insignificant. All the things that cause our hearts to be troubled, they are valid. But for the disciples, it's something else. Jesus is going away in a few hours' time. In fact, after, the, after this uh, uh, last discourse, you go into chapter 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer, and after that, He went to the garden to pray. And then there was the arrest, there was the crucifixion. So he said, let not your heart be troubled. 
The Greek word for trouble is tarazo. To agitate, to stir up, to cause to be anxious or distressed, to terrify, to disquiet, to unsettle, to be perplexed. It is like the stirring of the sea that causes a storm, that causes the boat, that threatens to capsize the boat and everybody in it, to stir up the churning sea. Webster says that trouble means to produce physical disorder, to put into confused motion or to become mentally agitated. To be troubled is to be inward, to have inward commotion which causes you to become agitated and restless. It's the opposite of being peaceful, calm, serene, at ease or comforted. Have you ever felt that way? To be so agitated and restless? And sometimes you can pinpoint the cause. Something happened and then you felt so restless and agitated, sleepless nights, troubled hearts throughout the day. You cannot focus on what you are doing. Your heart is troubled. Let not your heart. What is this heart? The cardiac. Cardiac. It can refer to the soul. The spirit, but it includes the whole of the states. It is your thoughts, your feelings, your will, as well as your emotion, your total being. You are so troubled in every area. And it has a strong power upon us. It can even immobilize a person. What is a troubled heart? A troubled heart is filled with anxiety, fear, dread, stress, restlessness, and worry. You, if you have any of these, anxiety, fear, dread, stress, restlessness, and worry, you are having a troubled heart. The biography of multitudes of people today is hurry, worry, and bury. We hurry and we worry. And the consequence of it is bury. So don't hurry too much. Don't worry too much. Otherwise, the bury part will come too early. What is worry? To worry is to torment oneself with or suffer from disturbing thoughts. Psychologists have now defined worry as a psychological disease. Hey, if you worry, you have a psychological disease. And that disease is called general anxiety disorder. You stay worried. You fear the worst will happen. You cannot relax. Worry so controls the person that they cannot function. And it will affect us physically, and emotionally, worry will raise your blood pressure. Some of us have high blood pressure. It's not because of the food, not necessarily because of the food that you eat, not necessarily because of genetic, it's because of stress and worry. Raise your blood pressure, harden your arteries, put wrinkles on your face and dark circles under your eyes. 
to save your cosmetic cost, don't worry. Otherwise, when you worry, your cosmetic cost will go up. But we still worry. Even though we know that worry never works, worry wastes life and wastes time, worry won't make your problems go away, worry won't help you deal with your problems, and worry won't make you feel better. All of us do worry. But what do we worry about? The facts are very clear. 40% of what you worry about will never happen. Everybody say, thank God. Amen. 40%. of what you worry about or fear are things that happened in the past and cannot be changed. 10% of what we worry about are considered by most to be insignificant issues. You worry about, hey, did I lock my door or not? Huh? Did I lock my house or not? Huh? Now, it may be big issues for some. You worry about the color of the shirt or blouse that you are going to wear or or buy, and a lot of other things, insignificant issues. 12% of what we worry about are issues about our health that will not happen. This means 92% of what we worry or fear will never take place. It will not happen. Worry sometimes is just kind of imaginary. It's our imaginations. It's our fear. And it is, uh, we are not saying that it's not real. It's real, you know. It's real in the sense that it affects you so much. And so there was a woman who was so fearful and always, every night before she goes to bed, you know, she's always worried that a burglar would come in to the house. And it, it affected her sleep. It affected her sleep. And so she worried and worried that the house will be burglarized. And then one day, sure enough, she heard some noise downstairs. She woke up to her husband and said, Dear, somebody's down there. Quickly, go and look. There's a burglar down there. And the husband is so used to her already. Then no lah. But anyway, to oblige her, she got up and he went down and sure enough, when he on the light, there was the burglar right there. But he was not afraid. And he went over to the burglar and says, My wife has been expecting you for 10 years. Will you please go up and meet her? For 10 years she's been expecting and finally the burglar came. To resolve it, go and meet her. And sometimes we worry so much. It does not happen, it may not happen. Most likely it will not. Like the man whose mother passed away because of cancer. And then even from young himself, you know, he was so fearful that he would die of cancer. Something happened, a little bit pain here, a little bit of discomfort here. Uh-oh, it's cancer. But he lived up to 79 years old. And when he died, he died of heart attack, not cancer. All his, 
young and middle-aged life. He was worried about cancer because somebody in the family had it. But he died for a different reason, heart, heart attack instead. So we worry. We worry. There was a, in a refugee camp. Some psychologists were noticing that the children are not sleeping well. Why are they not sleeping well? In spite of the fact that now they, are, they have a proper bed, you know, and well cared for and taken care of. But then they realized the psychology of the people, the, the children, because they are worried that when they wake up in the morning, they have no food to eat. And that has been the situation. Every time they wake up, there's no food to eat. They have to scrounge the neighborhood, yard, and all those things. And so as a measure, before they go to sleep, each one of them will be given a piece of bread. They are not to eat it, but they are just to hold it. And they go to bed holding that piece of bread, knowing that when they wake up, they will have something to eat. And lo and behold, they were able to sleep very well. There are things that trouble our heart. Some are real, some are not real. And when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, he's talking about something that's really, that really strikes the things that we struggle with. Does it mean that Christians are not to worry at all? Is it a sin to worry? No, there will be troubles that will come across our way and, and we, will be, we will be troubled in our heart. There have been times when I was a bit troubled and I know that something is not right. And it causes me to be more sensitive to what is happening. Jesus himself, on several occasions, was troubled in the heart, troubled in the soul, troubled in the spirit. But when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, it doesn't mean that we will not be troubled at all. It doesn't mean that we are immune to trouble and worries in our life. No, we are not. We are not living in a, in a utopia free of troubles and worries. But when he said, let not your heart be troubled, the tense of the verb is a present imperative passive. Yes, it is a command. At the same time, it is a comfort that he gave to the disciples. It denotes an ongoing, continual action in the negative. In other words, it's been continuing. If you allow troubles and worries to continue to have a grip in your life, then you have a problem. And that's where he says, stop being troubled. Stop being Trouble, stop living in a troubled condition of your heart. Stop allowing your heart to be grieved by fear, by worries, by anxiety, by stress. You cannot carry on in that manner. Stop it. In other words, it is something that you have to conquer. It will come upon us, it will come upon you, and when it comes, you have to rise up, overcome it, and stop letting your heart be troubled. You get it? You understand what he's saying here? It will come. But you stop it. In other words, there is a cure. There is a solution even for a troubled heart. 
And that solution, that cure, is in one word, trust. There are many other things that you can do. But very critical is trust. We can trust in His presence. We can trust in His presence. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Wow, so powerful. There's so much in this one verse itself. Here in this verse itself, we see the deity of Jesus Christ. He is on par with God the Father. He is putting himself equal with the Father. You believe in God? Believe also in me. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a man. He's on equality with God. Who can claim that? But what Jesus Christ is saying is, you trust in God. The God, the Jehovah God. And for the Jews, it is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Elohim, Jehovah, Yahweh. You trust in God who is invisible. You trust also in me. I'm going away. You will not see me. You cannot be where I am going, but you still trust in me. Even though I'm not with you physically, even though I will become invisible in that sense, still trust in me. The hearts were troubled because Jesus is going away. But he says, trust in me. And again, the word trust here is, or believe here, is continue trusting, continue believing. It's not something new. They have been doing it. They have trusted Him to, 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 to lead them. He says, you believe, keep on believing. You trust, keep on trusting. And so, brothers and sisters, whatever troubles that may come our way, believe in the presence of Christ. He will be with us. He will not necessarily deliver us from all our woes and from all our troubles, from all our fears, but His presence will be with us. We can trust that the Lord who says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end, will always be with us. Somebody say amen. His presence, brothers and sisters. It is of no use to say to men, let not your hearts be troubled, and we stop there. It is a powerless counseling. Let not your hearts be troubled. But what's the answer? Unless you follow up with believing God, believe also in the Lord Jesus Christ. For unless we trust, we shall certainly be troubled. Unless you trust in the Lord, unless you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, your heart will certainly be troubled. Nobody will be immune to it. Trust in His presence, brothers and sisters.
He will carry you through whatever troubles that you may have. That is even beyond your comprehension. He will be with us. That's the essence of it all. To trust that the one whom you have followed will not leave you, neither forsake you. And secondly, we can trust His plan and promises. Trust in His plan. Trust in His promises. What did He say? He said, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, that you may be also. Wow! What a powerful promise. And the unfolding of the plan of God for each one of us. The plan of God encompasses not just the present, but even the future, way, way into the future. The plan of God is not that we suffer, we struggle in this life, on this earth, that is only temporary. But He has a better plan. He has a bigger plan. And that bigger plan is to be with Him forever. And the plan is also a promise for us. He talks about my father's house. So intimate. He talks about heaven. In some translation, he says, in my father's house are many rooms. That's why many of us imagine, wow, heaven with many rooms. Huh? I wonder whether my room will be bigger than your room or not. Is mine 200 square feet? I wonder, yours, you know, wow. If, 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 if I do good works, maybe, you know, uh, I have a bigger room and all that. Hey, that is only the translation in our English version. Rooms. But the actual idea is not really room. Some other translation says, it's a mansion now. We, you know, we who are so used to small rooms nowadays, condominiums come with only about 400 square feet. Hong Kong is worse, 200 square feet. But then, other trans translations say it's a mansion. But even mansion is not really a correct idea of what heaven is going to be like. But from the Greek, the best translation is that of dwelling. In my father's house are many dwellings. In my Father's house are many dwelling places as put in the NASB and other translation. It's not just a room. It's where we are going to dwell. It's where we are going to be forever, abiding in the presence of God. And Jesus says that where I am, there you may be also, never to be separated again. We will see Him as He really is, the one who loves us. And the one whom we love, somebody say, Amen. I'm looking forward to that. And so the promise of God is, if I go, 
and prepare a place for you is not going to be permanent. Jesus says, I will come again. Wow, what hope, what promise. I will come again and I will take you to myself. That's how much he loved each and every one of us. Even though Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified in a few hours' time, he's not talking about crucifixion. He's not talking about his sufferings to the disciples. He was focused on them. And he was focusing on what is going to take place. He knows already what is going to take place. He talks about his resurrection to the disciples, his ascension, and his coming again. But they could not understand. But it's very clear to us now as we begin to read the final discourse of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you will come again. I go, I'm coming back for you. That is the promise. Numbers 23 verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He promised, I go, but I'm coming back for you. Will he fulfill it? Yes. You can be sure that he's going to fulfill it. So therefore, let not your heart be troubled. But his promise is not just for the future. Oh yeah, it's great, you know. I'm going to be with him forever. But pastor, I'm suffering right now. I'm so troubled right now. What can I do with it? With this internal agitation and, and distress in my heart. There is another promise that Christ gave to us. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. And then he repeated that. This is in the same chapter, John chapter 14. But further down the verse, in verse 27, he repeated and says, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The cure for a troubled heart is the peace of God that passes all understanding. That is God's solution for us. He give us His peace. Thank God for His love at Calvary. But in the last discourse, He's talking about His peace because there are many hearts that are troubled. The Greek word for worry is a combination of two smaller words meaning to divide the mind. So when you are worrying, your mind is divided. Worry pulls things apart. Worry takes our mind and our heart and pulls them apart. And we are troubled and agitated. But peace means to join together, to put together, to be bound, woven together. That is inseparable. So in other words, worry is just the opposite of peace. Worry pulls apart. 
but peace put things together. And that's why the cure for worry, for a troubled heart, is really the peace of God that passes all understanding. Sheila Wall says, peace is not the absence of trouble. But peace is the presence of Christ in our lives. Jesus Christ was about to face crucifixion in a few hours' time. And yet he was not troubled. As even as he addressed the disciples, he was more concerned about them than about himself going to the cross. There will come a time in a, in a short while, they will leave the upper room, they will go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there Jesus says, my spirit is troubled because he's going to bear the sins of the world. But at this time, he gives peace. Peace. The peace of God. And he repeated that in chapter 16, verse 33, the ending of the discourse the ending of his last words of farewell to them. He said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Why did Jesus go to at such length, three chapters in the, in the final discourse of the Lord Jesus Christ? I have said all these things to you, so that in me, in me, in Christ Jesus alone, we may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. You see, Jesus is not painting a utopia for us. Oh, if you believe in me, everything will be okay. You will have no problems. You will have no worries. Don't worry, be happy. That kind of thing. No. He says, in the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Before Jesus went to the cross, He says, I have overcome the world. He's not going to the cross as a victim. He has overcome. He has overcome. And he says, I'm saying all these things to you. Listen to my words. Because in me, you will have peace. So this is the promise of God. Let the peace of God dwell in your heart. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus did not say, let my heart be troubled. Many of us have allowed our hearts to be troubled. Let my heart be troubled. But Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. But rather, let my peace reign in you. Receive the promise of God's word. Peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. The world will, can never give you that kind of peace. Your money, your wealth, your relationship, everything that you have will not give you that kind of peace but Jesus Christ alone. So therefore, He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And lastly, we can trust in His person. We can trust in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verses, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Whoa, another great theology. 
another great doctrine of Jesus Christ being the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am. This is one of the great I am of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a present thanks Savior. He is not just going up to heaven and do his own thing there. But he says, I am. He's a present tense Savior. What is God's name? Moses asked God, God, what is your name? And God says, I am that I am. And in the book of John, John deliberately many times talk about the I am of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And now he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the great I am. He is always with us in his person. <clears throat> I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to experience Jesus Christ in these three areas. When we come to know Him and receive Him as our Lord and Savior, He is the way, the way to the Father, the way to heaven, the way to salvation. And after that, we must know the truth. We must be grounded in the truth. The truth will set you free. And then after that, we must experience the life of Jesus Christ for each and every one of us right here, right now. That's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody has ever said that. Nobody dares to claim that. The way to God is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have walked in that way. We have known that truth. And we are experiencing that life. Somebody say, Amen. And if we have experienced it, brothers and sisters, let's go and share it with others. The way, the truth, and the life. During this Good Friday and this Easter season, go and share. There are many who are searching for the way, the truth, and the life. The, the answer, there's only one answer, and that's in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Do not be silent. Do not keep it with, within ourselves. Share it with your friends. Share the gospel. This is the most precious truth that the world is waiting for. They are searching for all kinds of ways. They are searching for all kinds of truth. They are searching for the life that is truly life. And Christ has already made it clear, found in no one except through Him. So you can trust in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus concluded, after the last discourse, he concluded with what is known in chapter 17 as the high priestly prayer. Another powerful portion of scripture. But it teaches us to pray. 
and look at that powerful prayer, John chapter 17, verse 9 to verse and 20. I am praying. He lifted up his eyes towards heaven and he says, Father, I am praying. Even the Son of God was talking to the Father and says, I am praying. Let not your heart be troubled. How? Pray. Pray. There are people that don't have time to pray, but they have plenty of time to worry. The philosophy of life is why pray when you can worry? And they like to worry. It makes them feel sometimes surprisingly good. But our philosophy is the reverse. Why worry when you can pray? Worry doesn't change anything, but prayer does. Worry connects us to our circumstance, but prayer connects us to the power of God. So like our Lord Jesus Christ, everything must be concluded or perhaps even started with prayer. Do not let your heart be troubled. Connect with God. Bring to God even all your troubles. Remember the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? Let not our hearts be troubled. The song says, what burdens we carry. But let us come to Him in prayer. And especially when we know that Jesus Christ came, He died on the cross, He was buried, and on the third day, He rose again from the dead. My hearts will not be worried. I will not be troubled. Because I know the reason, Saviour. So brothers and sisters, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust God and don't. Don't what? What happens to that word? I think that's the word that don't worry. So surprisingly, miraculously, the worry has gone. Hallelujah! Praise God! <laughs> The worry has gone. Trust God and don't worry. Hallelujah. Let not your heart be troubled. Shall we stand together in the presence of God?